yeah, I think it's right, Donna. We all, you know, we're all God's children. And I tell you what, the world needs to see God's love in, in every believer that's uh, on the planet today. And we're called to that. We're called to to be a part of the redemption plan of Christ in the earth. And so I got a little funny this morning. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm not too flamboyant up here. You know, don't sling my arms around like this preacher like that I'm getting ready to talk about here this morning here. Preacher was wired for sound with a lapel mic, and as he preached, he moved briskly about the platform, jerking the mic cord as he went. Then he moved to one side, getting wound up in the cord and nearly tripping before jerking it again. You know, several circles and jerks, and a little girl in the third pew leaned toward her mother and whispered, If he gets loose, will he hurt us? <laughs> Wireless mic, there you go, yes sir. <laughs> Hopefully we won't get that wound up today, praise God, amen. All right, let's pray as we get into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for everyone that's present here today. And Lord, as uh, we go about our week here, as Craig prayed and Donna prayed, Lord, we just ask you that you would help us through the message today. And Father, we just ask that you would give us life from your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the assistance of the Holy Spirit to unveil, to reveal to us the plans and purposes that you have for us as fathers and families and a nation. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, this morning our, our text will be coming from Ruth and then 1 Samuel as well, but I want to... Um, talk a little bit about my fathers in the faith. Um, I want to use my grandmother's side uh, for the first uh, part of our uh, message today. And then when we get to Samuel there talking about David, I want to use my uh, grandfather's side because there are two different paradigms there. Uh, Joe can vouch for it. He's heard the stories there that uh, our uncles have told us and and uh, that we've we've lived there uh, by them. Uh, my grandmother's dad. Uh, he he was a guy that um, he was he would he he was all about fast forward and going gung ho and just as fast as you can go as hard as you can go and and make as much money as you can and borrow as much money as you can borrow. I mean, just kind of like Congress today, you know, just borrow, 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 borrow money, borrow money. Well, he finally got into so much trouble with the bank and writing checks, hot checks and stuff that he, uh, he the law was going to come get him. And they, so he had to run. So he ended up in Florida and, you know, and, and then different places. And, and the boys uh, and, the, and the girls that he gave birth to that he you know, was the father of, they never really heard much from him during their childhood after that. They never really uh, got to interact with him as a child. But his wife, which would have been my great-grandmother, was from a tribe of believers. And she, was, uh, she knew that the word of God was the one that was going to sustain her. And I can remember um, grandmother and, and dad telling the stories of my great-grandmother, which would have been you know, dad's grandmother. She uh, started her morning every morning at... Four o'clock in the morning, uh, kneeling down beside the bed. And my grandmother tells stories about her praying and asking God for her for help to raise these boys and to make these things right that her and her husband had caused. And, um, and so 
that's one side of, of my, my story. Now, my grandmother was successful. She was successful in raising a godly heritage. But I don't think she did that on her own. She had a group of people around her, a church family, around her that would support her, that would help her, that would guide her, that would encourage her, that would strengthen her. And these boys all raised up. Very successful. One, uh, you know, owned a, a grain elevator at one time. And then he, you know, had a Massey Ferguson dealership, tractor dealership there in Prior, Oklahoma, Chup Implement. That was my great, that was my great uncle. He came out of that, uh, that the, the people there, and they were successful. But I, and I believe it was because of my grandmother's prayers that she prayed there. And um, uh, many of them successful dairy farmers, um, you know, their occupations there. And they raised godly offspring. They raised godly children. And I believe it was because of my grandmother's steadfastness in, in the faith. But then we also have in our story this morning in Ruth, uh, the first, uh, fourth chapter there, we have a similar story here. Uh, let me just give a little bit of background about Ruth there. Ruth, um, she was a, you know, Israeli. She was a believer. She was part of the Israeli tribe. And uh, there was a famine in Bethlehem. And Ruth and her, her husband and her two boys, Malan, <laughs> Malan and Kilion, they were her two boys and her husband, they go over to a foreign land there because there was a pestilence and there was a drought and there was famine in their hometown. And so they wanted livelihood. They went to the mountain country and they were trying to find livelihood over there. Well, in the meantime, uh, <coughs> Naomi's husband dies, but... Uh, Malan and Kilion, they had taken wives from the Moabites there. And while they were there, their wives passed away. And so that left um, Naomi without a redeemer. That left Naomi without a husband. That left her without a father. That left her without uh, anyone to care for her or anyone to carry on the family name or to carry on the family tradition. And uh, so it was a devastating time for Naomi, and uh, so so she finds out then that uh, there's the, the the land back where she came from that it had rained and the land was prosperous again. There was food available and the drought was over, and so she says, "I'm going back to my hometown." And uh, the two wives there, uh, Ruth and Orpha, Malan and Kilion's wives, uh, uh, um, wives. They start out together with Ruth and uh, Naomi. They start out together with Naomi headed back to their hometown. And Naomi says, listen, you, you gals are from here. You should stay here with your family. And Orphus, Orpha and, and uh, Ruth told them, she, she told them that. And uh, so Orpha, you know, Ruth tells her, go back to your home family. So Orpha, she goes back. But Ruth says, no, uh, Naomi, there's something different about you. There's something in you. That is different, and I want to. I'm going to stick with you because I believe this is this is what I want. I want to spend the rest of my life with you, Naomi. And uh, where you eat, I'll eat. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you die, I'll die. I want to. I'm going with you. And so Naomi and Ruth, they head back to their to their hometown, and it's harvest time. Barley is being picked, and, the, and it's barley time. They're all gathering barley there. And uh, Boaz, he has a little eye for Ruth. And he says, um, who is this young lady? And uh, he tells them, you know, he tells um, the, the harvest 
group there. He says, hey, wherever uh, Ruth is gleaming, just leave, just throw a little back there and let her pick it up, you know. And, and he kind of gets an eye on there, on, on Ruth there. And uh, so then we pick the story up there in Ruth chapter 4, verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are my witnesses. Today, what I am buying from Naomi, everything that belonged to Amalek, Kilion, and Malon, I am asking also taking Ruth to be my wife. I'm doing this so that the dead man's property will stay with his family. This way the dead man's name will not be separated from his family and his land. You are a witness of this today. So we can see here that, that Boaz, in order to carry on the family name and to carry on the family tradition and to carry on uh, the family um Heirs and to be the, the successor of everything that uh, is in um, Naomi's presence there that she would lose if there wasn't someone that came along and gave her a son or something to carry on the name that they had provided there. So Boaz becomes her redeemer. And it's a very good picture of Christ becoming our redeemer. Christ is our redeemer. And so let's go on here. Ruth 4.17. The neighbors gave the boy his name. This woman said, Naomi has a son now. Now listen to that. See, it's Ruth's son, but they say here in the narrative, it's, Naomi has a son now, which would be her grandson. They named him Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And so that's a very good story of... Um, a, a young lady there that lived the Christ life and yet she went back to her hometown in order for her to be able to carry on her family name and have someone that was an heir to be able to carry forth and to be the steward over God's possessions there. She needed a redeemer. And Boaz became her redeemer through Ruth. And so that family tradition, that family uh, name, and that family's heritage was carried on through what Boaz and Ruth did here, and they had a son, son named Obed. Okay? And so now, uh, why did I tell my grandmother's story? Because my grandmother, she had a redeemer too. Her redeemer was Christ Jesus. Her redeemer on this side of the New Testament and this side of the, the Christ her redeemer was Christ Jesus. And I told that story because wherever you and I are at, whatever you and I are doing, guess who? Guess what? We have a redeemer. And he is saying, I'll be your helper. I'll be your uh, assistance. I'll be your advocate. I'll be your comfort. I'll be your guide. I want to help you with everything that you're doing. Uh, he said that. He said he would do that. And so we can see that here in the story. Now, if we go on, let's, okay, so before I go to the next point, I want to give now my father's side of the family. On my father's side, there was a rich heritage of godly men. I mean, there was a rich heritage of godly people, okay? So they came from the earliest that I can remember, the history of the Yoder family, came from Holmes County, Ohio. And uh, my great-great-grandfather came from Holmes County, Ohio. He had four boys, Noah, Malvin, Mose, and who's the other one? Noah, Malvin, Mose, 
Who's the other? Noah, Malvin, Mose. And there's one more in there. But these guys, John Henry, our Grandpa Joe. My Grandpa, John Henry Yoder. My Grandpa. John Henry. And so there was these four boys and all four... So all four of my uncles were somehow involved in the church. Three of them were the ministers. Three of them were Amish, Amish preachers. Noah, Malvin, Mose, they were Amish preachers. And um, John Henry, he was, he was kind of a deacon, and he'd help lead songs and, you know, and help out our grandpa. He would do that. But they came from a long line of godly people. They came from Holmes County, Ohio, because there were some things going on in Holmes County, Ohio, that they didn't agree with. They, they said, we need to go and start a fresh start in Oklahoma. And so he came here in 1911 and moved into the home place over there, just uh, two and a half miles where Joe and I grew up. And uh, out of that then came uh, those four boys and a lot, uh, three or four or five sisters came out of that. And then a whole lot of godly offspring. Noah, I can remember at the, the last Yoder reunion that Noah was at, he stressed very much. He said, I'm concerned about the next generation. He said, uh, the next generation, unless you and I are intentional about passing on the heritage of the Christian faith to the next generation, it'll get lost. And he talked about that. And I secretly recorded it on my phone. Nobody knew I was recording because you're not supposed to take pictures and record that. So I still have that on my phone there. And uh, my dad, you know, Joe and I's dad, godly, godly, godly parent, you know, godly fathers for the most part. You know, uh, they had the right heart. Sometimes, I mean, you know, dads, we dads, we got the right heart, right? We want our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be and to have better things than we did. But sometimes our action is a little different than, you know, maybe what God approves of. But we just come right back under the blood and we correct things and, you know, admit our wrongs that we did and keep on trucking, right? But my dad, on my dad's side, they were, they were, a, they were a string of godly men. They were uh, uh, the heritage that they, they uh, left to us grandchildren. I'm telling you what, they lived the life. And my grandmother will be 101 years old uh, this year. And now, see, you got to put that together. My grandmother, which was the story that her dad left, but her mom was a godly mom, and she got up every morning and she prayed. Okay, my grandfather, he comes from this side over here that has a, has a series of godly people, and they live the life, and they live a holy, sanctified life under the Lord. Well, how many of you know my grandpa could have said, well, you know, her dad was this way and her dad was, you know, he did all this. And, and he could have not. He could have said, well, I'm not just I'm going to get involved with that. I'm going to find somebody that's like me, you know, that has a heritage of godly offspring. But they came together. My grandmother and grandfather came together and he lived the life and, and they, they made their life together. And I shared it before on their wedding night. They had, you know, a barn there that burned down that first night. That barn that they had, they were farmers, and my grand, grandpa was one of those guys. He said, I'll never work for another man in my life if I can help it. I'll work, work for myself. And he was a farmer. Boy, he'd go out there and raise crops and oats, and you know, and that's what he did. He never worked for another guy for as long as he lived. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's kind of the, the way that we do, you know, the way we are today. But he said he wasn't going to do it, and very successful. My grandmother's alive today and lives in a little trailer house over there.
you know. But I can say that because that my grandfather was a type of a redeemer also to my grandmother. He came in and he was the strong guy in the house. He led that, but not that my grandmother wasn't. But they came together and they formed this family. And now we got how many grandchildren? Forty, there's 46 or eight or nine of us grandchildren and so many great-grandchildren. And grandma knows every one of them. And she can name every one of them. She can count them all. She knows them all. She knows where they're at, knows their names still today. You can tell her, I got this, you go visit with her. I have this many grandchildren, this many, you know, great-grandchildren, and this many great-great-grandchildren. And when this one gets born, it'll be that number. I mean, she's got track of it, you know. And so that brings us then to the another um, part of our story here in, in uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 12. Before I read this, before I get into it, I, make, I want to make some comments here. This particular passage of Scripture, the writer of Samuel chose to put this in there that we're getting ready to read here. And it's the story of David and Goliath, where Goliath is out there taunting the Israelis. He's taunting what we would call today the church. He's taunting them, making fun of them, and challenging them. Hey, you, you know, come over here and, you know, just send one guy. Come fight me, you know. And if you want, if you win, you all know that story, right? Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Okay, then he says here, this, this guy, this writer of that story, 1 Samuel 17, 12 says, David was the son of Jesse. Jesse was from the Ephrathian family in Bethlehem, Judea. Jesse had eight sons. In Saul's time, Jesse was an old man. Now, so we read earlier that um, Jesse's father was Obed and Jesse, and they came right on down through the line there, right? So he's making a comment here that um, David's family is from that um, Ephrath family. Okay, that goes way back. That goes way back to a, to a long heritage of the Israelis coming into Bethlehem. This town was this town before it was Bethlehem and Judea. And there was a long heritage and a long um, span where they lived for the Lord. This place was also the place that Jacob's ladder. Remember Jacob's story when he was running from Esau? This town, this town was also that town. And there was a long heritage of Christian belief. Or in that time it would be the Israelis. They didn't violate the laws of God. They, they honored God with everything they had. They, they, they wanted to bring honor and glory to God with every fiber of being they had inside of them. And that's why this guy that writes this story about David and Goliath mentions that, Ephrates. Now, and so let's go to our next point there. 1 Samuel 17, 55. Saul watched David. Now here we have a scene. Look at this scene and, and picture this in your minds. Saul watched David go out to fight Goliath. Saul spoke to Abner, the commander of the army. Abner, who is that young man's father? Abner answered, Sir, swear, I do not know, sir. King Saul said, Find out who his daddy is. <laughs> Find out who his daddy is. How many of you ever heard that story in the, in the story of David and Goliath? 
I was kind of going through this, and I kind of felt the Lord, okay, Cheyenne has. Good job, Cheyenne. You've heard that in there, haven't you? Amen. And so we, I thought, man, I have never seen that phrase in there. And that phrase, just as I was studying for the Father's Day message, just jumped out at me. Here this uh, king noticed something about David. He noticed something about David. And um, if, if you read the story, how he, David even gets on the scene of David and Goliath, uh, his dad sends David to the army and he says, take uh, the commanders of the army some wine, some cheese, and some bread. That's David's assignment. So David loads up his wagon with some wine, some bread, and cheese, and he heads off out there to meet that army, and he's going to go see the commanders, but he doesn't get to the commanders. He just gives that bread and that cheese uh, to the person that's in charge of the food, and he goes to the front lines where his brothers are up there, you know, watching, watching this thing, and he gets out there, and he's, and, and it's time where the Israelis, they go out, and they're making their chants, you know, their war chants, and their war cries, and Goliath's over there, just send me one guy. And if that one guy beats me, guess what? I'll, I'll, I'll you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll be your slaves, and if, if, if I, if y'all beat me, well, we'll be your slaves. And so that's the story, right? And so David, he sees this. David sees this taking place. And he looks over there at the Israelis and he says, Is there not a cause? David, this little shepherd boy, raised in the confinements out there on the hills, raised out there uh, on the hillsides, taking care of sheep, protecting the sheep, keeping the bears and the lions from the sheep, taking care of those sheep, comes up there and he sees this uh, defamation. He sees this thing that's taking place there, the degrading and all the accusations that this giant's making over there. And he says, is there not a cause? Why is this guy over here blaspheming the Israelis and the church? And he gets him, goes down to the little brook over there, gets into that brook and raises up five stones out of that brook, smooth stones, and he sticks one of them in his sling and he runs toward that Goliath and he slings that and he hits that giant right smack dab in the middle of the head. He falls down, goes over there. David doesn't have his own sword, pulls his sword out of that, the Goliath sword out and whack, chops his head off. And the whole Israeli army goes and runs after the, those Philistines over there and they capture him, take all their loot. And I mean, it's a victory that day, right? Saul, he's standing over there watching the whole thing. Saul, he's standing over there. He says, man, who's that boy's daddy? <laughs> right? He says, who's his dad? Who's, who's David's father? There's something different about it. But why is that boy, what's he got in him that makes him different? How many of you know Saul was pretty wise? See, he got a, he's a godly offspring because the narrator of 1 Samuel 17 puts it in there. That, 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 uh, that story that says he was raised in that town that begins with an E in Bethlehem and Judea, he's saying right there in those three words, there's a long heritage of a family that's honoring God. Right? There's a long heritage of redeemers in this, in this family here. And Saul wants to know. Who's your father? Go find out who his dad is. I want that boy close to me. I want him real close to me. 
have you know the story, you know, later on Saul gets jealous and David runs for 10, 15 years there because of a pride in Saul. But that's just the way David was raised, right? And so I say all that to bring it right down to where you and I live. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Who's your daddy? The true children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. The true children of God are those who let God's true spirit lead them. Verse 15. The spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children. And with the spirit we cry, Abba, Father. See that? So why am I saying this? I'm saying this. That wherever you and I are, as a mother, as a father, wherever we're at, I'm telling you something. God wants to do something revolutionary in your and I's life. He wants to take us and he wants to do something in our life. Right? It doesn't make any difference where you and I are at. God says, I'm your redeemer. God says, I'll take your life right where you're at, and I'll make something good and useful out of it. He says that if you will let me lead you, I will do something exciting and extraordinary in your life. See that in Romans chapter 8? He says, the children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. He says, the spirit that we receive is not a spirit that makes us a slave again and causes us to fear. What does that phrase there mean? What does that phrase mean that the spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear? That means that I obey God out of reverence for him. I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid and I don't have fear that causes that. I I obey and I love God and I uh, do things for the Lord because I love him. And I love what he's done for me. Right? I love that. Now, a very good illustration of this is Jesus there. uh, I think it's about Matthew 5 or something. I'm not going to turn over there and I'm just going to paraphrase it. But how many of you know the story where Mary Magdalene comes in and she's crying the... The 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 the, uh, the you know the disciples they're sitting around this table, and uh, Mary Magdalene comes in there and she takes and she uh, you know washes Jesus' feet with her tears, and then she takes her hair down and she dries Jesus' feet with her hair. How many of you know in that day in that time when a woman let their hair down, that meant that that woman was committed to whoever she took her hair down in front of, right? She said that that means he's committed. Well, the story is that the disciples said if that guy was a prophet, he would know who's doing this to her. He would know uh, who's doing this over here, right? Well, Jesus leans over to John and says, um, or Peter, leans over to Peter and says, you know, Peter... There was a man that he was he owed in today's society five million dollars to the banker over to this other guy. And there was a guy that owed fifty thousand dollars to this guy over here. 
And he said, uh, if both of those were forgiven, who do you think would love me the most? That banker the most. Who do you think would love that banker the most? And Peter said, well, obviously it's the guy that was uh, forgiven that debt of $5 million. That one would love you a whole lot, right? <laughs> he would love you a lot. And Peter said, that, I mean, Jesus told Peter, that's the way it is with me. She's been forgiven a lot, and she knows it. This lady has been forgiven a whole lot, and she knows she's been forgiven for a whole lot, and she now wants to give the rest of her life to me. And i tell you something. A father that has been redeemed, a mother that has been redeemed, that knows they've been forgiven of all of their sins, knows they've been forgiven of all their trespasses, and they live their life that way. I'm telling you, that father, that mother uh, will be given much. They have experienced a lot of forgiveness, right? They have experienced lots and lots of forgiveness. And when you and I have that revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, God's in that, right? So how does that boil down to us today? For, for James, I'm telling you what, if I could go back and change some things in, in my fatherhood, my early childhood, I'd go back and change it. How many other dads are you all with me? How many of you ever done something that you think, oh my goodness. If I could just go back and make that right with my kids, I would do it, right? If I could just go back and express some things, do, do things maybe a little bit different, right? We would do that. Why? Because we know we, we know we had the right heart. We had, we had the right motive. But sometimes we just didn't know quite how to work it all out. Right? But when you and I stay steadfast after the Lord, when you and I stay moving towards the Lord, when you and I do everything that we can to move towards God the Father, I'm going to tell you something. God will redeem your time. God will redeem your time. God will make things right. And he will see, your children will see, my dad loves Jesus. Amen? And, I, and there's things that I can't change. But you know someone that can? And something that can? That's the blood of Jesus. And when I come to the blood, and I come to the things that my father has forgiven me of, I know I have been forgiven much. I know for sure I've been forgiven a whole lot. Any other dads with me? You've been forgiven a whole lot. Right? Because how many of you dads, we, we, how many of y'all, you, you know, you're just a perfect dad. you just done everything right. Not too many hands going up. How many of y'all dads, you, if, you maybe, if you could go back, you would change some things. Willing to admit it. Right? Jesus says, just come to me. There's things that my dad did that I know if he could change them, he would change them. But when I came to the Christ, and the Bible told me in Mark 11:25 that if you don't forgive those who have done you wrong, how can your Father in heaven forgive you? And so you know what I had to do? I had to pull things out that my dad had done. 
I had to pull them back out into the forefront. And I had to say, even though my dad took wrong action, I know that his heart was right. His heart was, I want James to be successful. I want James to live a godly life. And I had to pull those scenes out. And I had to let the blood of Jesus cleanse those and wash those away. And move the, remove those from my life. And you know what I can do today? I can say, I'm a child of the Most High God. And you dads and you moms, we can say today, we are children of the Most High God. How many of you have seen the little uh, picture there? It flows around on Facebook some. You know, the little boy is standing there with his overalls on. He looks up to the other little boy and he says, Your dad know anybody famous? <laughs> the other little boy, he's over here, looks up there to him. I said, Well, I don't know, but I heard him talking to God the other day. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty famous. Amen. Listen, I hope, I hope I've ministered to you dads today. We're, we're, we're going to miss it. But when we know who our Redeemer is, when we know how that we can take this Romans 8.14, and we can say, yes, I know I messed it up. Yes, I know my dad messed it up. But I'm going to rearrange that scene. And we have the opportunity to do that. My dad had the right heart. My dad took... He had the right, he had wrong action sometimes, but he had a right heart. And so if I look at that and see the heart of my father, he wanted me to be successful. He wanted uh, me to live for Christ. One is his one aim and objective. So let's say this together with me today as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you for cleansing my life from the wrongs that I've been done the wrongs that others have done to me especially my father Lord I just rearranged that and I thank you that it's cleansed by the blood thank you for leading by, by, me by your spirit today in Jesus name Amen